everyone. You're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. With those name tags, those iconic hello, my name is name tags. They were introduced in 1959 and they're still very, very popular. You go to a social event, you go to a party. Many times when you want to do name tags, you have the hello, my name is, and then of course you write your name. Someone told me a while back the best place to put your name tag is right in line with your right shoulder. You probably knew that because when you shake people's hand, your eye automatically goes up to the name and you see, hello, my name is, and then you've got it. A name is a very interesting thing. We're tagged with names. Some of us are tagged with nicknames. A lot of people change their names. It's real popular, especially if you're a musician or an athlete. Names. What does your name mean? What does your name carry with it? People say, I want to have a good name. My name should should carry integrity. People want to have a good name. And then we look at people's names and we tag them with names. And when we hear a certain name, we think about a certain thing. Just the other day, Lisa and I were shopping in a big, big store that I will not mention from this stage, but it's a national chain. And a guy walked up to us and the quintessential uniform with a big name tag. His name tag said Bill on it. And so I'm trying to be a friendly guy. I go, hi, Bill, how are you? He goes, oh, that's not my name. I said, yeah, but it's on the name tag, Bill. Oh, yeah, but that's not my name. He said, man, don't tell the manager, but I lost my name tag. And I'm just using my friend's name. So... I'm not really Bill, but you can call me Bill. It's pretty funny. I think all of us have been that way before. I think all of us have walked around with name tags that aren't really our name. Maybe just maybe you've walked around with a name tag that says broken, failure, adulterer, liar, cheat, depressed, divorced. And maybe just maybe you're walking around with that name tag, and if you call yourself that, if I call myself a certain name, then I'll begin to act out my identity. I'm here to tell you that's a false identity. So many of us are walking around with name tags that aren't really our name. I saw just the other day that identity theft cost us $1.52 billion. People stealing your identity and my identity. It's like we have a whole generation that doesn't know their identity anymore. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. I'm going to tackle the subject of what's in a name. Who is your identity? What's your identity? Hello, my name is, well, you go ahead and fill in the blank. If you have your Bible, turn to the book of Ruth, Ruth chapter 1. I'll read verses 19 through 20. 
We've been in a series on the book of Ruth, one of the most epic love stories imaginable. And this love story, guys, is not just for women, it's for us as well. And I think today we're going to get a real sense of the power of a name because I'm telling you, if you want to look at an all-name team, just read the book of Ruth. You've got some crazy names. Let me begin reading with Ruth, chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. So the two women, now the two women, they make the all-name team. Naomi, I love that name. Naomi means pleasant, pleasant. And Ruth, Ruth means devoted, a true friend. So the two women, Naomi and Ruth, went on until they came to Bethlehem. We know Bethlehem, you know, Jesus was born in where? Bethlehem. Bethlehem is called the house of bread. The house of bread, that's what it means. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. Social media was blowing up. Guess who's back in town? Naomi is back in town. The pleasant one is back in town. Who is this Moabitess she has with her? And this Moabitess was named Ruth, and the book Ruth is where we're reading. I'm sure Ruth didn't have any idea. She was clueless that one day she would have a book in the Bible named after her, but anyway, strange things happened. So the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? I don't know if they were talking about cosmetic surgery. I don't know what they were talking about, but, but they were like, can this be Naomi? She looks different. But really, it was nothing about looking happy. She looked horrible. She looked bad. She looked torn up inside. Don't call me Naomi, she said. Call me Mara. So now she's going to change her name. Like a celebrity or an athlete, I'm going to change my name. Call me bitter, she said. Mara means bitter. So Naomi means pleasant. And now she says, call me just the opposite. Call me bitter. She's going back from Moab to Bethlehem. Call me bitter. Well, the ladies were having none of it. They're like, we're not calling you bitter bitter. We're not calling you Mara. We're not going to be a part of this name change. We're going to call you Naomi, which means pleasant. Don't call me Naomi. And here she is blaming God because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. Oh, really? So you're, so you're going to point the finger at Yahweh. I went away full. That means with a family, a husband and a couple of sons, and of course, the husband and the sons died tragically in a land called Moab. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. Kind of depressing, isn't it? Kind of bitter, isn't it? Here's a woman, Naomi. She was called pleasant. Now she wants to be called bitter because she's encountered death. Her husband has died. Her kids have died. And now she's just hanging out with the two widows from the, her son's marriage. And one widow stays in Moab. The other, Ruth, goes with Naomi back to Bethlehem. I know this might be a little confusing. So I thought I would draw it out for you. Here is the Jordan River. Here is the Dead Sea. 
I've swam in the Dead Sea, if you can call it that. You don't swim, you float. Here would be Bethlehem, and Bethlehem means house of? There you go, you guys are great. And here is J-Town, Jerusalem. This would be God's country. This would be an area known as Moab. I just read about it. Stay with me. Don't get lost in the names. Moab. This is interesting in the Hebrew. Mo Ab. Mo means who. Ab or Abba means daddy. I didn't make that up. When we make the move to Moab, because remember, Naomi was right here in Bethlehem, the house of bread. Let me, let me do like a loaf of bread. It's a nice loaf. It's hot. She was in the house of bread with her husband, Elimelech, with her two sons, Malon and Chilion. They decided, because of a famine in the land, because the food wasn't really flowing, they decided to go from Bethlehem to Moab. Understand, that trek was a trek of disobedience, because God said, don't go, don't even think about hanging out in Moab. I would rather live in God's country and have a full heart and an empty stomach than to live in Moab to have an empty heart and a full stomach. That's what God says. God has, remember this, an incredible agenda for every life here. And his agenda should be lived out in God's country. Well, they decided, all right, we got a shortage of food. So this little family of four, they cruise over to Moab. And one, two, three, four. They make the journey to Moab. It started out with, hey, I need a passport. I want to go to Moab just for a couple of weeks. Yet when we move to Moab, we want to bring a passport, but we end up being a permanent resident. See, when we go the opposite way of where God wants us to go, we bring our passport. I'm just going to be there for a little while. Just mess around with Moab a little while. But what ends up happening is we reside there. They wanted to stay for a couple of weeks. They stayed for a decade. Whenever we go to Moab, it takes us farther than we want to go. We stay there longer than we want to stay, and it always costs us more than we want to pay, always when we go the opposite direction. So they knew intuitively, scripturally, biblically, they knew that they were moving outside the will of God to move from the house of bread to the house of blues, but they did it anyway. And I think it's a powerful metaphor because the Bible says the wages of sin is, that's right, 
the compensation for our conduct is condemnation. So they experienced, I'll do some tombstones here, three, some grass, three deaths. Every time someone dies, and I traveled to a funeral several days ago, every time someone dies, they preach their last sermon. Naomi's husband preached his last sermon, and tragically, her two sons preached their last sermon. Did God cause this death? No. I do, however, believe it's the consequences of living away from God what happened in this situation, and God allowed it to bring Naomi back to her senses. Moab, who's your daddy? When I go Moab on you, and when you go Moab, we think we're chasing stuff and we think we're free. Oh, I'm in Moab, I'm free, I can do whatever I want. Then we chase this, we chase that, we chase that, we chase this. And in our search for freedom, those things we're chasing for our freedom end up enslaving us. They end up dominating us. We end up on our backs and Moab has his foot on our throat and he's asking, who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Because we're born in separation from God. We're not, we're not born in a relationship with God. Obviously, we're made in God's image, but we've all gone Moab. And the wages of sin, the Bible says, I'll say it again, is death. So when we go Moab, we know we're separated from God, yet God did something. He sent Jesus Christ to bring us back from Moab to Bethlehem, giving us an opportunity to come back to him. So I've got to ask you, are you living in Moab? I've got to ask you, who's on your name tag? I've got to ask you, how are you living your life? How do you identify yourself? Broken, a liar, immoral, anger, an adulterer, depressed. Are you, are you living that way? Is, is that your identity? Because when we're in Moab, we don't really know who we are, nor do we know whose we are. Why is Moab called, who's your daddy? Here's some biblical history. You remember Abraham and Lot. Abraham, a multi-billionaire. Lot was a big-time player as well. They came to a point where the companies couldn't coexist anymore. So Abraham gave Lot first pick. That's the big mantra of the day. Who has first pick? Who's going to be first in the draft? And we're going to trade for first pick. You remember as a kid, oh, you got first pick. Oh, man, I can pick first. Oh, I can pick first. Abraham gave Lot this opportunity to pick first. He shouldn't have. But because he was a true follower of the Lord, he said, go ahead, Lot, choose. And Lot looked one way, it was horrible looking. The other way, it was lush, beautiful, kind of looked like the Caribbean. The cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were in the di distance. And he said, you know, we'll go that way. I'm not going to live in Sodom and Gomorrah. No, no, no. I'll just kind of move toward these cities. And what ended up is just kind of a passport thing turned into a citizenship thing, we find Lot being the mayor of Sodom, of these, 
of this wheels-off, ungodly, relativistic, evil city. God says, hey, Lot, the fire's going to fall. I'll give you and your family warning. You better get the heck out of town. But here's the deal. Don't look back when the cities are destroyed. So Lot turns and he runs. Everybody's running, Lot's family. His wife stops, turns and looks. She turns into a pillar of salt. When you swim in the Dead Sea, there's pillars of salt still all around this area. Sort of, sort of eerie. Well, they escape, and Lot's daughters get him drunk. They have sex with him, and one of the incestuous sons was named Moab. Who do you think started Moab? This incestuous son of Lot. Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? So here, we don't know who our daddy is. Here, we don't know who the Lord is. We only know him. We only know our identity when we cross from Moab to Bethlehem when we cross the line. So Naomi is in a horrible situation, so she decides, you know what, I'm going back to Bethlehem. I'm going back. Don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. Her daughters-in-law cling to her, and Naomi, because her her decision-making is so jacked up, you know what Naomi does? And you can read about Moab. It was a hellacious place. Naomi's going back to Bethlehem, yet she encourages multiple times, multiple times, her daughters-in-law to remain in Moab, and she encourages them to stay back, and she wants to go by herself to Bethlehem. I'm telling you, man, when, when we live in Moab, we can't think right. Our discernment is messed up. We don't really understand our true identity. So one of her daughter-in-laws stays in Moab, back to her relatives, back to her religion, back to her relationships. She kisses Naomi by, and she bolts. Have you ever seen people that Kiss God on Sunday and live like hell in Moab the rest of the week. Have you ever? I, I just, I have. I have. I have. So we find Naomi making the trek from Moab back to Bethlehem with Ruth. And again, the name Ruth means devoted. It means a true friend, a true companion. Obviously, Ruth saw something in Naomi's life that snapped her head. She was like, whoa, something's different. So she wanted to go with her. Yet Naomi, time and time again, said, Ruth, go back to Moab. I'm like, Naomi, what are you smoking? Have you lost your mind? You've lived in Moab so long, you can't even, you can't even tell right and wrong anymore. But at least, I'm going to cut her some slack. At least she said, you know what? I'm going back. I'm going back. So she begins to go back, and once she crosses this point, 
That's when she says, oh yeah, go ahead now and call me bitter. <laughs> bitter. Go ahead and call me bitter. Yet, the Bethlehem babes were having nothing to do with it. We're not going to call you bitter. We're going to call you Naomi, which means pleasant. Again, I ask you, what names are on your name tag? What name or what names are on your name tag? What, what, what are you advertising? Who is your identity? If you're here, you don't really know your identity. You only know your identity when you get here into God's country. Who are you? A lot of us don't know who we are. I said, who are you? Who is on your name tag? Who are you? Well, once you cross from here to there, number one, you got to understand. You know what's on your name tag? Righteous. Say, I am righteous with me. One, two, three. I am righteous. I'm righteous. I'm righteous. Well, man, I'm not righteous. I, I mess up. I sin. I drop the ball. I make turnovers. I'm righteous. Say it with me again. I'm righteous. Well, here's what the Bible tells me. I mean, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus lived a righteous life. What did the devil say to Jesus during his time of temptation? It was all about identity. If you're the Son of God, uh, if you're Jesus, if you're the Son of God, and you know what Jesus did? He thwarted the temptation because Jesus knew who he was. Too many of us don't know who we are. You're righteous, I'm righteous. This is a refrigerator verse. Put it on your refrigerator. Put it on your bathroom mirror. I am righteous. And you're calling yourself broken? You're calling yourself, you're calling yourself divorced? You're calling yourself fearful? You're calling yourself this or that? No, 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 I'm righteous. Not only am I righteous, I'm holy. Say that, I am holy. 1 Peter 2, 9, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood. I don't have to go to a priest to pray. Jesus is my high priest. That's why I pray in Jesus' name, amen. I'm a holy one, a part of a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness, out of Moab, into Bethlehem into his wonderful light. So I am righteous. I am holy. Also, I'm blessed. Say that. I'm blessed. What does it mean to be blessed? To be blessed means to be on the receiving end of the tangible and intangible favor of God. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, according to his divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. I am blessed. I am a part of God's family. 
The Bible says that I am a son, that I am a daughter, that I've been adopted into his family. I was born estranged from him. Jesus paid the price on Calvary for all of our iniquities, thereby doing the work for our adoption. The moment by faith we ask Christ to ambush us, to infiltrate our lives, we're adopted into the family of God. No longer is it, who's your daddy? It's like, no, no, no. God, Abba Father, is my Father through Jesus Christ. And once you're adopted, you can't get out. Back in biblical times, when a child was adopted, you could not disown a biblical adopted child. No wonder God chose that as he wanted to hammer home in your life and mine what it means to be a follower of Christ. When the twins were small, I remember walking across a busy intersection holding their hands. They tried to let go. They didn't realize the danger, but I wasn't letting go. I'm the father. I'm stronger than they. We're adopted into God's family. We want to let go. Oh, I have some doubt. I've got some questions. I'm not sure. God has got us. God has got us. So I'm righteous, holy, and blessed. I'm righteous. Come on. Holy and blessed. I'm righteous, holy, 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 and blessed. I'm righteous and holy and blessed. I'm righteous and holy and blessed. I'm righteous and holy and blessed. You need to say that over and over and over because so many of us have been under a false identity for so long, we've been believing the enemy's lies about us. We need to call him what he is, a liar, and we've got to say, I am righteous and holy and blessed. I'm righteous and holy and blessed. I'm righteous and holy and blessed. Because once we move from here to there, it's amazing how things just start happening. It's amazing how the dominoes start falling. Well, what happened? Naomi and Ruth, they show up to Bethlehem. They didn't have a thing. And it just happened that Ruth went into the field of billionaire Boaz. It just happened that she was collecting some grain, some wheat, and it just happened that Billionaire Boaz just happened to show up during the barley harvest, and it just happened that this biblical babe, Ruth, caught his eye, and it just happened that they had this conversation, and it just happened that Ruth went back to Naomi and said, Naomi, I met somebody who is godly and rich. And it just happened that Naomi said, whoa, he's our relative. He's our kinsman redeemer. And it just happened that Ruth proposed to Boaz. It just happened that Boaz said, man, I'm not the closest redeemer. It just happened that Boaz went to the city gates. And it just happened that the kinsman redeemer was walking by. It just happened that Boaz wheeled and dealed and became the kinsman redeemer. And it just happened that Ruth and Boaz 
got married, and it just happened that their baby was Obed, the grandfather of David in the family tree of Jesus. If somebody would help me here, the family tree of Jesus. And it just happened that Naomi had a major part in rearing this child. It just, it just happened. I guess it's just serendipitous. I guess, I guess the stars lined up. It just happened. No, it didn't. It didn't just happen. You think it just happens that people have great marriages? You think it just happens that people's finances are in order as they begin to tithe? Do you think it just happens as people involve their life in the church that things just play out? Do you think it just happens? Do you think that just happens? Do you think it just happens? It doesn't just happen. There's a choice. There's intentionality. We realize our identity. We realize that we're righteous and holy and blessed. It's powerful stuff. I mean, Ruth had no idea that she'd be involved in this family tree of David and Jesus. The Bible says in Ruth chapter 4, verses 13 and following, so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And after reading, the Sex Experiment by Ed and Lisa Young. <laughs> he made love to her. <laughs> oh, that's funny. The Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The woman said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous. Throughout Israel, he will renew your life and sustain you in your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The woman living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David in the family tree of Jesus. I don't know about you, but when Naomi moved from Moab to Bethlehem, bitter was changed to better. Bitter was changed to better. I said bitter was changed to better. And that's what can happen in every life here. Hello, my name is. Let God fill in the blank. Father, as our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, we thank you for this message, this stirring, stirring book that mirrors what you've done for us. If there's someone here and you've never, ever, ever made the move, from Moab to go back to Bethlehem, just simply say, God, I've messed up. I've fallen short. And for far too long, I've been living out this identity of sin, and I turn from my sin and turn to you. I cross Moab into your country. I believe you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins, and right now I ask you, Lord, 
to come into my life. I give you everything I am and everything I'll ever be. And right now, as you're praying that prayer, here and in all of our environments, here at our online campus, around the world, as people are praying this prayer, you're righteous, you're holy, you're blessed, you're a child of God, and God wants you to live it out. He has an amazing agenda that he wants us to play a major part in as he writes this novel. So God, we thank you for these decisions. We thank you for this identity change. We thank you that no longer are we going to allow the enemy to steal our identity, but that we're going to know who we are and whose we are, righteous, holy, and blessed. In Christ's name. Thank you for listening, and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless.